0: What's going on, everybody? It's that time again, the All Sooners Podcast, post-game edition, at the stadium, in Norman. Josh Calloway, John Hoover, Ryan Chapman. I think it's 156. Does that sound right? I think that's right. 157? 156, 157, something like that. Post-games
1: are odd now, so 157.
0: 157. How about that? Uh, what we do know. And it feels what we like it's 157
1: in the morning, but it's does. not.
0: It's, it's been not. a day. It's been a day, but we're back in our usual studio that we've commandeered and, and made our own. ESPN Plus people, by the way, made this thing disgusting. Um, if you're not familiar, we do this in the TV broadcast booth, and ESPN Plus obviously had the game today, and we came in here, and it's nasty in here. So Ryan Leaf, man, it's not come on. our fault, <laughs> not our fault. Oh, you, if you're uh, anybody's trying to find the culprit, it's not the else. We actually group. cleaned
1: some stuff up, so I'm just saying we did. We tidied Inclu- a little bit, including
0: food, including food. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Ronnie definitely just picked up a sandwich he found in here and started eating it. That actually happened. Um, but that's where we're at. That's what kind of a day it's been. We, he doesn't care if he gets diseases. Um, I'm just going to eat the sandwich anyway. But it's been that kind of day. Uh, in Norman, <laughs> who's gone? Oklahoma fans. <laughs>
1: Keep going, stretch it out.
0: (laughs) I don't know if we were like, do we want to stitch this together? I can go. Um, (laughs) Oklahoma (laughs) lost today. We're at that point, folks. We're at that point. It's been that kind of a season. Um, You know that now if you've been with us, if you've watched this team week to week. Uh, Oklahoma (laughs) loses big. Uh, Not loses big, but loses to Baylor today, 38-35. Sorry, I'll stop. (laughs) (laughs) Loses 38-35. Um, three yeah, picks. I mean, go, initial Can't thoughts stop on the this. Run. Yeah,
1: coach didn't want to answer questions. Didn't have answers. That's all. That's all we know. Yeah, fan
0: we'll base is not happy. We'll dive into uh, all angles of it. That's the point of this show. Um, um, sorry,
1: that was unprofessional.
0: He's tired. Who's tired? <laughs> we're he's tired. We're all tired. Um, but here we are. This morning, Oklahoma loses today. They turn over three times. Uh, they failed a fourth down conversion. They missed a field goal. A lot of. Shoot yourself in the, in the foot. Things, all in the first half. All in the first half. Brett Venables, it was really kind of uh, – he drove it home big time at his post-game press conference of, you know, giving, making sure to give credit to Baylor, but also feeling like, man, we shot ourselves in the foot so bad today. And uh, hard to argue with him. I mean, the turnovers, the missed field goal, penalties at inopportune times, not being able to get off the field on big fourth downs. You know, Oklahoma, as, as, as bad <laughs> as it looks at times – and there's it's it's weird. We talk about this when we went to shoot the wrap. As bad as it looks at times and you look back and this game ends and you're saying, Man, that was kinda ugly. If you just change a couple things, they'd probably win today. They're they're a weird team right now.
1: You did a great job on that
0: open. I did everything I could to stay <laughs> you held it. In. Together. It was hard. You held it together like a pro. <laughs>
1: and I appreciate that. I, I don't know where to begin with this team. You know, they're they're five and four now. When's the last time Oklahoma lost four games? Well, yeah, we know when it was. It's been a while, but uh, 2014, right? Yeah, 2014. Um, they're now two and four in conference play. They go to West Virginia next week. Uh, West Virginia was lifeless today in, in Ames, Iowa. Um, I, I just don't know what to make of Oklahoma right now. Uh, Dylan Gabriel had a number of opportunistic passes that he could have made. Uh, and three of them were intercepted in the first half. I think when that happens, um, and, and you leave those three possessions, you leave the fourth down that Josh mentioned, you leave the, the field goal at the end because of a 15-yard penalty and the time winding down, uh, you have to kick a 55-yarder. You leave five possessions on the field empty with nothing to show for them. Basically, the other team gets the football after you failed on five, five different possessions. You're still only down three points. And I didn't understand why Oklahoma didn't come out with a little more fight, a little more pep in their step, whatever it is, a little more attitude, a little more toughness, make some adjustments. Brent Venables talked about physicality and toughness and discipline in the postgame a lot. Check out allsooners.com and look for the Brent Venables press conference. He talked about those three things a lot. I asked him, I said, why, why didn't you have them? It's week nine for this football team. Why didn't you have them? And he said, we've been to saying these things for 11 months now. Okay, it's week nine, uh, game nine of your, of your first season. You've been here for 11 months. Why aren't these things showing up? The answer that he gave us was, I don't know. Yeah. So that's got to be disheartening for him as well.
2: Brent Venables sounded like the Survivor tagline at the end of the game. Outplayed, out-executed, out And I think that summed up the first half perfectly because you can see there is talent. You can see the, the warts of the Baylor defense, especially through the air. And then, like you guys mentioned, a couple of tip drills. I... No credit to a tip ball on the third interception. That was just a plain overthrow. Whatever happened, Dylan Gabriel should have thrown a fourth interception. Baylor dropped the easiest one that he threw straight to them. So you can say tip, drill, tip, drill all you want on the first two. When the two other throws were that awful, you get no room for any kind of weaseling out, anything like that. Another overthrow where Marvin Mims had uh, had the DB beat for a touchdown, even though they connected on the first one. All that stuff. And – and then who have you, you asked what's, why did they not come out with more fire, what's the adjustment, all that in the second half. If the run defense sucks, the run defense sucks. That's not changing. They don't have the personnel to play the run well. We've seen that all year long. This team coming into the game had played before Baylor a bad offense over the – compared to college football in Iowa State, Nebraska – Kent State, UTEP. Four of their eight games were against those teams, which are not juggernauts, and they were still 115th against the run. You add a good Baylor rushing attack, and that's how first play out of the gate, or first drive out of the gate, you have a 32-yard run up uh, down the sideline by neighbors because the run defense stinks. Four-man front, three-man front, doesn't matter. It stinks. There is no adjustment to, to not having the horses up front.
0: Brent Venable's had a very different uh, tenor in his post game he today. Did. Sassy than the previous losses. I think the other losses to me, i was cool. guessing, you guys can say it yourself. But to me, he felt more. I don't know. He seemed like he came to post game after TCU and Kansas State is more kind of bummed. You know, like not defeated. That's a little too extreme, I think. But a little more just kind of somber. Like man, that stinks. Like I would have really liked to win that. You know, today he was mad. Uh, he, he was yeah. mad. He was he was defensive and. Um, a couple questions today. He got a little test. He had nothing crazy. Um, but he was—he had a little bit of an issue. And also, you know, not for nothing, maybe it's related, this is the quickest he came to post-game. It was like 30 minutes, which is still a long time, but a lot faster than a lot of other games. After the text game, it was like a full hour plus before he started post-game. Today, he got in there pretty quick. He wanted to get it over with uh, today, was at least my takeaway from that. And uh, he, was, he was frustrated. And I don't know if it's We're going to find out, and we talked about it after whatever game where I made the comparison to Porter Moser and the basketball team last year where it just felt like Porter a lot of times wanted to just say, I don't have the guys necessary to do what I want to do. But when Brent Venable says stuff like we've talked about discipline for 11 months, that's pretty much his way of saying, like, I've done everything I feel like I can do. They have to to do the rest themselves.
1: Um, we don't have those guys. That's what he's trying right. to say. He's, he's telling us and telling the public and the fans we don't have those guys. So, Right. Uh, without right. saying those words because, you know, you're, these are your guys. Whether whether they're the ones you wanted or not, these are the guys that you have, and so they're your guys. You yeah. can't, can't throw them under the bus. you got to play with who you got.
0: Yeah. And, and keep in mind, too, that it's not necessarily a, a talent thing because, mm. you know, it, it's more than that. Than you know, we talked about before what, what Lincoln took you know and all that was overstated and it was. Um but that doesn't change the fact that the roster left. And Alex Grinch, Lincoln Riley built roster is very different than what a Brent Venables and uh Jeff Levy, you know, and all the staff built roster look like. These aren't the type of players necessarily top to bottom that Brent would have. You know what I mean? so he's trying to fit square peg in a round hole in some in some cases. And uh I don't know, the answers aren't really there right now for Oklahoma.
1: You know, uh, Baylor ran the football 261 yards rushing on the ground and they did it a number of different ways but what stands out to me is number of times Oklahoma had third down and fourth down opportunities to get stops on defense Baylor ran the football wherever they wanted whenever they wanted however they wanted and they finished with 114 yards rushing in the fourth quarter now extrapolate that over four quarters and you've got 450 yards rushing uh, so that's how bad the fourth quarter was for Oklahoma. They they had they were powerless, and that's the thing that I think frustrates Brent more than anything. Or maybe I'm just putting words in his mouth or whatever. But the fact that they were powerless to stop those guys, guys. At some point, I might have tweeted this. I put it in the, I put it in the blog, in the live blog. Um, this felt like at times this felt like a varsity high school football team going up in a scrimmage against the JV. That's what it looked like. Like We're going to run, and we're going to get 11 yards on this play, and then we're going to get 6 yards on this play, and then we're going to get 9 yards on that play, and there's nothing you can do about it because you're JV. That's just what it looked like.
2: Well, and you talk about the frustration. We'll spin that to the other side of the ball, too. As far as the these are the guys you've got, we've seen what the show looks like for Oklahoma without Dylan Gabriel, right? We've seen what this yeah, offense looks definitely. like without Dylan Gabriel. He was not good today. I, I don't care what the numbers say as far as the non-interception uh, passes and all that stuff, but Dylan Gabriel was not good. Balls were sailing high. It was so bad that Hoove and I were up in the press box, and Josh, I don't know what it looked like at field level to you, but you could see that the flags that are on top of the scoreboard in the south end zone were very, like, you could tell it was strong wind the entire way from south to north. So you're either throwing directly into it or it's at your back. And every time Oklahoma was moving toward the north end zone, I just turned to John. I was like, did Dylan Gabriel not learn anything from the spring game about how to handle the wind? Because everything was sailing so bad that it looked like he's a guy that came from Orlando where wind's not really yeah. a, a huge ordeal. Or Hawaii, yeah. and, and, and that he never has adjusted or acclimated over these last 11 months to the wind in Oklahoma, which seems ludicrous. But that's what it looked like when he's sailing stuff left, right, and center. And it's obvious. That's the only option Oklahoma has at quarterback. And... He threw you into, again, the two tip drills, I think he maybe forced that ball to Braden Willis, so I want to give him half credit for the interception, even though Willis tipped it back up. The first one, it it is what it is. The third one was just a terrible throw, and then again, he he should have thrown a fourth one. Like That's bad quarterback play in those moments, and you knew coming into this game that Baylor has a bad passing defense compared to what they've been in the past. It's not like 110 or anything like that. It's not as bad as always run defense, but... Last week, that Baylor defense went out and got five interceptions. That's their get-out-of-jail-free card, and Dillon Gabriel time and time again put the ball in harm's way, and it proved to be the difference.
0: This game feels, to me at least, very similar to the Kansas State game in that the opportunities were there, and Gabriel didn't play well in that game either. Missed a lot of throws, (coughs) missed some big plays, and probably you know quarterbacks of very recent OU past probably – do enough to win these games. Uh, I know that's an incredibly high bar, but you got to imagine that you know your Baker Mayfields, your Kyler Murray, your Jalen Hurts, even probably your Caleb Williams, find a way to make enough plays in a game like this to get you over the hump. Because at the end of the day, defense wasn't good, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. They can't stop the run to save their life. But they had the chance to take the lead in the fourth quarter and didn't do it. And Oklahoma was conservative. Brent Venable stuck to his guns on that fourth quarter punt, which mm-hmm. I was a little surprised not super surprised, but a little surprised with the first play of the quarter, right? It was very beginning of the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. On the plus side of the 50, again, punted it into the end zone, so didn't net hardly anything. That's happened like a trillion times this year. Um, but, yeah, it's just like you – whenever you're in games like this where everything's not totally clicking, your defense isn't playing great, but you're running the ball well, like you just need your quarterback to step up and win it for you. And Dylan Gabriel hasn't done that twice now. Kansas State and Baylor, both of these games have been very winnable, and they, they just didn't – didn't make the plays. Did all three of his inter-
1: – yeah, all three of his interceptions. No, the first one was in the first quarter. The next two were in the second Crouch. quarter with the wind at his back. The overthrow to Mims when Mims had his man beat so bad was in the second quarter with the yeah, wind at his was. back. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, both of those other interceptions. Mm-hmm. He, he's just – the wind just seems to – I mean, he – on that overthrow to Mims, he threw that like a like a 25-yard in. He threw that like a low dart, and the wind just carried it right past the guy, uh, where the receivers were. So yeah, you're right, Ryan. I think mm-hmm. he's still trying to adjust to the to how the wind blows in Oklahoma because it was straight line. It was out of the south end zone, and uh, he did better throwing into the wind. Some quarterbacks do that, throw better when when it's going into the wind. But you're right, Josh. You'd like to see him make a winning play here or there at the end of a game, and that hasn't. Hasn't happened a lot
0: yet. No,
2: hasn't. Well, hasn't.
1: in any of the games.
2: No, yeah. Right. It, it's a high bar, but isn't this the defend the standard program, right? One one of the two that exists. The other one got drummed by Notre Dame um, today. But if the standard's the standard, right? That's what Oklahoma yeah. quarterback play is, and that's either a you live mm. up to it or you
0: get criticized. It's right? feeling Wrong like, otherwise. It's and, feeling like Spencer Rattler right now. Yeah. Like, good. Yeah. Not the reason they're losing, but also like. Can no, you just not, help us right. get He's over the hole, please?
2: And, and two, we, we talked about this. Um, so the first interception, which I'm not putting at the feet of Dylan Gabriel, best case scenario for Oklahoma on that play, that was going to be an incompletion. It, it looked like mm-hmm. there was just a total whiff on the left side of the line. I haven't watched it back yet, but just remembering it back, that's what it looked like. Okay, so that ball falls into the grass, and it's incomplete. Best case scenario. That was third down. OU was backed up and third and long, was not going to go for it. That was going to be a 50-second three and out against Baylor, who wants to hold on to the football. They're really good time of possession-wise, all that stuff. How does that make any sense? Like, for, So whether that was Brent Venables who gave that go-ahead, whether that was Jeff Levy who, who dialed up three plays that it was just so disjoint and bad. And we only really saw the tempo work one yeah. time that's right all game long so again that's a misevaluation of what needed to happen offensively for the entire team to succeed because after baylor just dragged you down the field on the opening possession of the game who looked at that anyone not not a great football mind like jeff levy or things like that but all of us could look at that and said well hey they probably need to take two minutes off the clock here just to give the defense either a time to adjust or time to catch their breath because they just got dragged down the field and lo and behold, defense has no time to adjust. Baylor's up 14-7, and, and the Sooners are playing from behind the rest of the game.
0: And, you know, the flip of that, at the end of the game, I I, I thought OU showed an extreme lack of urgency at the yeah. end of the game. They were taking way too much time. That was and that's the what longest left... drive of the game, 5 minutes, 10 seconds. Terrible time for it. Terrible yeah. time for it. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm sitting there, I'm like, you have time, but, like, you, you they left themselves where the defense had to either get a three and out, or maybe one first down was all they could survive, and I mean, the way your defense had played, what, what made you think that that was – you need to give yourself as much wiggle room as possible for your defense to give up you know some first downs but still be able to get a stop and get you the ball back. You were only down three, so they could have got – all you had to do was hold to a little field goal and you had another shot, but you left yourself no clock to work with. It's that was weird to me, like this super tempo offense all year, and then and now we're taking all day to run play. We're doing little three-yard dunks, like it made no sense.
1: Now think about this. I, I laid it out for you earlier. Three interceptions in the first half, a fourth down that didn't convert, missed field goal. That's five empty possessions. They also had five 77-yard touchdown drives, 75-yard touchdown drives. Five drives of 75 yards or more uh, touchdown drives. That should have been enough to win the game. That should have been plenty to win the game. The defense needs to do a better job of just carrying their water. Yeah. But let me ask you guys this. As long as we are talking about uh, Dylan Gabriel, hit the defense in a second. What did you guys think of the fact that he – didn't come to post-game interviews after his worst game of as a Sooner. Does that bother anybody?
2: Well, if – I mean, we've talk- I kind of want to cut him a break. Like, I don't like it. Like, <laughs> it's well, okay. I'll
1: say that. I don't like You've it. You've come in for every interview. You came right. in uh, the week after your concussion. We appreciate that. I kind of want to cut him a break and say it doesn't really bother me. He had a tough day. I'm not – I didn't want to be the one to sit there and ask him, what's with the interceptions today? You know what I mean? Well, I- he, it's not like he was gonna be able to answer those anyway.
2: You're the quarterback of Oklahoma and That's the good point. And that's the standard. The point. other thing is what has been yelled and screamed and, and forced down our th- how many times how dead would we be if we had to sit and take a shot in every Brett Venables press conference every time the word accountability came up. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot be again, we've talked about this before, you can't
0: be in the accountability program and when you have your worst performance as a starting quarterback, you dip out. Yeah. I, I like Dylan Gabriel a lot. Um, and as a guy, I mean, we, we've talked to him all season long. I mean, the quarterback is not like the rest of the team. You know, it's, it's essentially treated like a coach. I mean, whenever we do postgame at the podium, it's Brett Venables, the two coordinators, and then Gabriel. All the other players just kind of break off and you can go. But he's treated, you know, he's the quarterback. He goes at a podium. It's a big deal when the quarterback talks. It's a different and we, we were all sitting there in the press conference room waiting for Dylan Gabriel to come in and we we're informed he's not coming. He left. And again, I like Dylan Gabriel. He's been good to talk to and I don't you know, I'm not gonna rip him, but I, I don't like it. I, I think it, Honestly, it, it lacks accountability. You need to go answer questions after the game. That's yeah. part of the gig. Here's the here's
1: the thing, part of the gig, exactly. Here's the thing with that. It doesn't like I'm not sitting here screaming why didn't I get any quotes from Dylan Gabriel? Right. i right. I'm, I'm fine with that. If I'm Dylan Gabriel and I just threw three interceptions, I want to go stand in front of the cameras and I want to take the tough questions because of the accountability. The, the, uh, the whole thing that Brent Venables has been preaching this whole 11 months. I want to because I'm the Oklahoma quarterback. I want to go out there and explain myself. And then what is that gonna do? Is it gonna appease the media? Who cares? Is it gonna make the fans happy? Who cares? No, it's going to maybe congeal the, the, the team. Maybe bring the team together and say, that's my quarterback. You know, that's Terrell Owens, and they're sobbing about his quarterback. That's my quarterback. That's what you want your guys to do after a three-interception game, not, hey, I'm going to go to Hoover's YouTube page, and I'm going to see what Dylan Gabriel had to say. Why is he not uploading the video? What did Dylan Gabriel – oh, Dylan didn't talk? Dylan didn't talk today? You don't want this to be the one time that you don't talk and your teammates go to YouTube looking for your video and it's not there.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it, and again, he maybe has something, a good reason. We, yeah, maybe don't there's know. a reason, sure. Maybe there's a good reason. Family's but in town. It's especially surprising considering that all we've heard the whole time from the second he got to Norman was yeah. how big of a leader he is and all that stuff. So it's surprising yeah. to me that he would skirt on uh, the post game. We'll see if, uh, I don't know, it's a weird deal. It's a weird deal. It's a move that, again, that high standard. No way Baker Mayfield would have done that. No way Jalen Hurts certainly would have done that. Kyler Murray didn't really do a lot of losing, so he didn't have a chance to really ever have to do it, but I don't think he would have done it either. Um, it's something that maybe you know people got on Spencer Adler or something that sounds like that. Maybe he might have done it. I seem you know. to remember
1: Baker showed up for interviews the Tuesday after his arrest
2: in Fayetteville.
0: Yeah. yeah. That, I, if
2: I remember right. Guys, we need to go into the past. Davis Bevel sat up at the, <laughs> at, the game. at the DS for OU Texas. Yeah. That, that one, I, mean, I don't even know why they did that to that kid. That was weird. <laughs> yeah, that was so. Cool. I mean, that Davis <laughs> Bevel has underwent as many losing press conferences as the starting quarterback at Oklahoma as Dylan Gabriel has.
0: Yeah, very true. Yeah, because uh, and Dylan to answer questions after the Kansas State game, and, and,
2: and of course he's not going to come out of TCU with the injury, so that's not. And there's no reason for him to talk after Texas, right? Right. But right. Right. Davis Bevel was. Davis Bevel was embarrassed by his own coaching staff. Yeah, at OU Texas. And he sat up there, and he was a part of the post-game press conference.
0: Yeah, he answered a question or two. Um, didn't have many to throw his way, but he did answer them. He sat up there and he took it. So, yeah, I don't know. Again, maybe he has a good reason. We all like Dylan Gabriel. He's been good to talk to all season, but that was a little disappointing. If it was just a pure decision, it's a little disappointing. Um, we will do one positive thing on the offense where we get out of here, uh, or go to defense, I should say.
1: How about two positive things?
0: Eric Gray is a monster. I mean, I don't know. We're beating a dead horse, but in a good way. He's so good. Um, he's a huge part of He's the best player on the team right now, in my opinion, at least. And Marvin Mims had the bounce back we all expected he would. Um, it feels like, and I said this before, it feels like he can get open over the top anytime he wants. Like, any, like literally, if you just run deep ball to Marvin Mims, like 90% of your plays, you're going to be in good shape because he uh, he's really hard to get over the top. But uh, So he bounced back, had the nice long touchdown as well. But him and Eric Gray, I mean, what a, what a duo they are. It's too, it's too, bad that they're both gonna end their OU careers on disappointing seasons for the team, because those are really, really special players.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I don't know what what else to add to that. Uh, right, Eric Gray's kind of taken over the offense. Uh, you know, he's he's mature and he's he's like a coach on the field and he's a leader. Uh, and he came in today and gave gave his press conference. A couple of minutes, whatever it was, four or five minutes, uh, answering questions um, after another hundred yard day. He is second in the Big Twelve in rushing right now. No, third behind Bijan and Deuce Vaughn. Third yeah. third in the conference in rushing right now. Yeah. Hell of a year. And then you're right about Mims. He does, It's like when I when I, I, I look I watch the game a lot through binoculars. So I'm down here looking at Dylan Gabriel. He sets his feet and throws and I said, I bet that's Mims. I went like this and I was like, Wait, yep, that's Mims. Yep. And then he caught it wide open. Wide open. It's just you just know, you just feel when he sets his feet and chunks it like that with confidence. Yeah, that's Marvin Mims.
2: Yeah. I think the best thing you can say about Eric Gray, Marvin Mims was awesome, but Eric Gray specifically, it was clear, oh you did not trust Dylan Gabriel to do anything in the second half. Dave Miranda's a really good defensive coordinator, and Oklahoma almost still won, almost got enough production out of Eric Gray specifically in the second half when they basically came out and said, we are going to be one-dimensional because no one trusts Dylan Gabriel to throw this football because of how bad he was in the first half.
0: Eric Gray, and they didn't have a second running back option today, really. I mean, Javante Barnes didn't play. He warmed up, but didn't play. And Marcus Major... I mean, Jeff what said, a weird OU career for this kid. Well, he, Le- he didn't do much again today.
2: Levy said on Monday he hasn't been 100% healthy since the non-conference. True, and, and, he, and had,
0: he was off to a great start the, before. Yeah, yeah.
2: and, and Levy's th- what he said is the biggest thing for Marcus is to get him 100% healthy. And the fact of the like, matter, he's just not going to be 100% healthy until if
0: Oklahoma gets to a bowl game.
2: You know what I mean? Because of how physical this game is. It's just not going to happen.
0: I forgot that we had a Trey West carry today. That's right. Where did that come from? Trey West
2: got a to carry. Toby Walker got involved. Got when, when, when Toby Walker was getting carries on the first couple of drives, I was like, uh-oh, that's not great.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we're different the offense. At the end of the day, they still scored points. They had big plays. Uh, but The turnovers are bad. And Braden Willis. I don't know.
1: Uh, Drake Stoops, Jaleel Farouk all got carries. They, they I thought the coaching, the play calling was pretty solid in the first half and that they weren't trying to run into that brick wall of that was Siaki, Ika, and those guys. Except for the most important play
2: of the first half. Except
1: for that fourth down and one.
0: <laughs> With Major.
1: With Marcus Major, their short yardage. No Bro, I'm bootlegging there. I told you all, I, I like the bootleg in that situation. Play action, spin the quarterback out. He's got, He's only got to get one yard. That's only three feet.
2: Yeah, There there are many options outside of run it right at the massive 360-pound <laughs> defensive yeah, line.
0: Preeminent with your hamper, guard in the country. <laughs> with your hampered number three running back yep. in reality. Yep. Uh, weird, weird one. That was a weird move. Um, but, yeah, Oklahoma offense, I don't know. It had its moments still, and it, I do feel like – I feel very confident, and it may not be a trendy thing to say right now. I think that Jeff Lebby, when he has all his guys in here that he's probably going to get – jackson arnold wink wink is gonna be really good i I do think that this offense is gonna be really really good in due time um he just needs more more players Uh,
2: much like kansas state it boils down to a couple of plays and those couple of plays were the plays are there and dylan gabriel didn't make them against kansas state and here it's if you just throw the ball away a couple of times as opposed to throwing interceptions then maybe it's better and again i'm in my head counting two interceptions because the dropped one was the most egregious throw of the day on on the far side yeah
1: brent venable said in the post game they made the critical plays he was talking about them going three for three on fourth down he said they made the critical plays we did not that sums it up
0: that it does that it does and too many too many mistakes good teams will beat you when you make those many mistakes that's what Baylor did defensively guys i don't even know um I mean, we came in, we did the, the midweek show, and we previewed this game, and we said that this looks like a nightmare on paper because it doesn't take a genius at all to see that Baylor runs the ball really, really well, and Oklahoma run defense has been well-documented not good um, this season. The crazy part is that it wasn't Richard Reese like we talked about in the wrap. Yeah. Four carries for seven yards. It was Craig Williams. Monster game for this kid out of nowhere. 192 yards, two touchdowns, almost eight yards per carry for him. I was gonna a lot say, of times just untouched for 10 yards.
2: I was going to say, I don't know what everyone's so mad about. This Oklahoma defense all year long has reverted back to whatever quarterback they play, congratulations, they look like a Heisman contender. And today it was Craig Williams, the running back, look like a Heisman contender. Blake Shapin looked like a dud. So I think that's Chapin major improvement. Yeah. Obviously tug and cheek tug in cheek, tongue in cheek. Uh, you got run all over by a guy named squirrel
1: <laughs> I don't like I said five drives of 75 yards or more that produced touchdowns you had opportunities to add to that you are playing against a team that was pretty one dimensional Blake shape and only had 100 and what 26 yards passing something like 132 132 132 yards passing that was a one dimensional team and they still couldn't stop him that's And they had a backup running back. They were featuring a backup running back. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm, not, I'm not sure what the answer is for Oklahoma's defense, but that's what I think Brent Venables was the most agitated about was when I asked him about tackling and physicality. I don't know.
0: Yeah, this is one of those games, and I think you asked after the Texas game, I believe, is OU soft, if they felt soft in this one. Baylor was just running it in their face. And the tackling, I don't have any, like, you know, advanced metrics. I'm just going off the feel of the game having watched it from field level it felt like the tackling was awful in this game especially the
1: second half and particularly the fourth quarter there were times where it didn't look like the running back was doing anything except covering up the football just
0: running through arm just
1: running just kind of just moving in one direction and nobody was tackling him Uh, that happened a lot in the fourth quarter
2: yeah this isn't the perfect thing in the world right it's really hard to condense a quarterback's play into one (sighs) number Baylor put 38 points on the board, and Blake Shapen's QBR was 23.7.
1: <laughs> Very bad. That, that, that
2: shows you how leaky Oklahoma was. 192 of those rushing yards came on nine plays. Nine plays of 10 yards or more. You can't have that. You're not going to survive against a team like Baylor doing that. And so it's clear that they're getting no production from the ends so that's thing number one that was the big question right alex grinch what did he want speed d he intentionally undersized fast guys on the defensive line that was a strategy brent venables is a board traditional as far as what he's asking for height weight from his uh front three front four all that stuff and it was never going to happen in one offseason. I don't care how good Jerry Schmidt is, and this is not a knock on him, he was not going to be able to put enough weight, enough weight that made sense on anyone on the defensive line for in one offseason Brent Venables to have a defensive line the size that he wants. And I think you're seeing that most on the edge, that Reggie Grimes, Nathan Downs have been non-factors since conference play started because Big 12 offenses are looking and saying, well, we can wipe those guys out. That they're not doing yeah. the just stunting and twisting and shooting the gap all that stuff they're trying to play straight up defense and they're getting moved off the point of attack very easy so there were times very few times that redmond looked fine co kelly those guys looked okay but you're not getting enough production for those guys on the interior to make up for the fact that you don't have difference makers at either end you don't have difference makers up the middle and danny sets or david igwebu because they have good moments but for the most part arm tackles are running through all those guys yeah
1: we're, we're killing the defense here, and maybe appropriately so. We talked about nine plays of 30 yards or more.
2: Ten. Nine, nine, nine plays of ten yards or more accounted for 190-ish.
1: Nine plays accounted for 190 total yards. Uh, having said all players. that, and that's, a, that's correct and that's appropriate, the offense gave them ten points. The offense gave Baylor 10 points. A three-play, 26-yard drive produced a touchdown, uncontested by the defense, by the way. Uh, and then the other one was a field goal drive they, where they stopped him, but after a turn, after another interception. The offense gave them – Dylan Gabriel gave them, with the interceptions, 10 points. So Oklahoma, all things being equal, should have been, uh, been able to win this game, even giving up all those rushing yards.
0: I was going to say, one of those picks – backbreaker because it came right after OU's pick. It was like yeah. three plays later. Basically just washed out yep. OU's uh, long turnover in this game. Well, that's totally fair and did
2: happen, absolutely. The flip side of that is, if you want to take the, the offense, giving them short field, stuff like that out of it, Baylor was 3-for-3 three three on 4th downs. Mm-hmm. Okay, The first time they converted a 4th down... They marched straight down the field in four plays later. That was on the plus side of the 50 on the first drive of the game. Yep. They marched four more plays, touchdown. Defense just wilted. Four plays. Demoralizing. Demoralizing. Well, and that's mental toughness yep. that's not there. The second time it happened, Billy Bowman bailed the defense out with an interception on the second drive that they had a fourth down conversion, but Baylor was in, creeping up on the red zone. They were going to score had Billy Bowman not caught that. And the third one – it was the the fourth and one on the Baylor's own 29-yard line where Squirrel Williams gets in there and gets two yards. They get another couple of plays, and then Baylor reeled off four straight plays that got first downs. It wasn't immediately after the fourth down play. They got into third down, I think, and then they had four straight plays the first down. Mm-hmm. Drive-ins and a touchdown. Defense, hey, it's one play. You don't get the fourth down stop. You cannot let the... Opposing offense then proceed to march the yeah. rest of the way down the field. That's 14 points. That's totally on the defense. That so the 10 points off turnovers absolutely it it shows there were problems on all sides of, of yeah. the ball today. You miss field goal. You have Turk not putting the punt at the five yard line instead he puts it at the one yard line, and instead of Mims having to come in and and, and bat it down at the one, he's having to go into the end zone, which results in the touchback. Like no one is absolved from fault for this, and it just shows you that this team. It's not just dirt poor, like, oh my gosh, it's not the Texas game, right? Because you look at Kansas State, you look at this game, and you go, there's so many areas where they could have made plays, but the fact of the matter is every time they need one, it doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't it's, I keep looking at it. It's just 4-for-13 on third downs they held them, but then 3-for-3 three three on fourth. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's really hard to explain. Um, Brent Venables, I think, was asked about that. Pretty, I think he was asking. He, he kind of brought lack it up of on discipline. his own. Yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah. He just, it's nuts. And uh, like we said, Brett Venables, just we've been talking about discipline for eleven months. That was the most telling quarter maybe the whole day, the whole post game to me. Yeah, just a frustrating coach.
1: I like. I don't know. Yeah, I don't that know. Was, I don't
0: know. Physicality. <laughs> You're like. I don't know. Why? why? Why does another team ever be more physical
2: <laughs> than my team? As I,
1: and I don't mean to be a smartass here, but uh, as I said to Dean Blevins when he said you know brent's getting a little snippy i I said you know when you say when you tell the answer to a question is you don't know the fact of the matter they're paying him seven million dollars a year to know to find these things out to figure them out on the fly again i'm willing to cut him some slack he's a first year head coach he's a first year guy dealing with a lot of things that he doesn't he's never had to deal with before so uh, i get it
0: yeah it's so funny because when we've Talked about it to where we beat it to death like at an all-time rate. The complimentary football thing, but this team—it's so funny because that was such a focus and such a, a talking point, And this team plays literally the exact opposite. Whatever the opposite <laughs> of the word complimentary is, that's what they do. They, they the play offense, insulting football. The offense never helps the defense. The defense never helps the offense. The special teams never help. Like it, it has at times. Obviously, like last week, there was a lot of that. But like today, it's just like offense is scoring some points in the first half. Defense can't seem to do anything. Defense finds its footing a little bit in the second half. Offense can't capitalize opportunities. They're turning it over. It's just like, my God, could one side of the ball just help out the other side? Like I just mentioned, defense gets a big interception. Dylan Gabriel then throws one right. It's like they just never can be in sync all at one time. Um, Really, today was kind of a microcosm for the whole season in that that respect. Four losses now.
2: Well, and I I was – Joking with you guys that the way that this has happened has become this Oklahoma team will be a very interesting off-season fodder because you can paint whatever picture you want, right? Last year we talked about, well, if you, you know, they, they had all these one possession games, close games, very easily could have gone the other way. This is what that looks like where every time Oklahoma made yeah. the plays last yep. year, they did make the plays this point. year. And, and OU fans, whatever you want to do, if you're a very optimistic OU fan, you know what? You're going to get into the off-season. You're going to watch that K-State game back. You're going to go, those three plays, another year in the system, they make those plays. Today, it felt like a billion plays, five yeah. or six, but it felt like so many opportunities in the first half especially to play poorly like that and still come out and be in the, go into the locker room ahead. And You're like, okay, you can look at those two games and be like, oh, this team could very easily have only lost the two games that Dillian Gabriel didn't finish. Or you can look at it and say it's something inherent that when they had the player the caliber of Caleb Williams or stuff like that, or lincoln riley and we're going to bring the bring up the taboo they just won those games that was a tenet of lincoln riley footballs it was ugly it was shootouty it's what USC's doing right now and they just won a ton of them they lost one every year but they won a ton of them and we'll have to see if brent venables can find a way to in the interim slap a band-aid on that that'll kind of be the question this offseason
0: i mentioned it in the postgame rap that we did which you can watch on all and on hooves youtube page I feel like this loss locks the season in as a disappointment. It was already teetering on that. A lot of fans already felt it was one. Trevor Knight, remember, said after like the TCU game that the season was already a failure. Um, I think it wasn't quite there. I mean. For all the things that Ryan was kind of just referring to, you could kind of talk yourself into. Well, Gabriel didn't play the Texas game. He got hurt early TCU. Kansas State, they're right there. Like, if you finish strong and you got to nine wins, you go take care of whatever bowl game you're in. Like, there, that, that's a lot to take into the offseason to sell yourself on. And you can still kind of do that if you finish strong. But this loss was this – one, this one stinks. Um, this is one you didn't want to lose, especially considering Baylor's in a similar spot. They came in with three losses of their own. Um, this isn't as good as a Baylor team that we thought they were going to be coming in. Now you're five and four. The best you can hope for is eight and four, which feels far fetched to win all three of these, based off what I mean. Why would you expect that right now? Um, is that how you guys see it? I mean, just this season is kind of there is no salvaging yeah. it. All you can do is finish as good as you can and try to right. The wrongs in the off season, but as far as this season being considered a success, that that ship has sailed. What
1: was Trevor's choice of words? Failed season. I think he said failure, right? Didn't he? I'll like, look at something up. like that. Yeah, failed season. And it is. If you finish um, eight and five, nine, even nine and four at this point, if you're good enough to finish out and win the rest of your games and go nine and four, that's not what anybody in Norman wants. That's not what anybody in Sooner Nation wants. So yeah, it's it's a rebuild. Uh, at least you're not. It's not a losing season. I mean, it still could be. Don't get me wrong. They're five and four, and they could be five and seven. Uh, there's no no doubt about that.
0: He said it's a a failed season already. Failed he season. Said. That was already, after that was the TCU a, game. After the TCU game. <laughs> Which, <laughs> Before at that time, it didn't feel like it was that bad yet. Yeah, Li- literally, I mean, it did, but not not like this.
2: The only thing that you can salvage is if you lose no more recruits. And we that's were, the important part. And we were sixth ranked clean, uh, class in the country, and we were on the road to Ames. I know that he's not the the five star, or whatever that's going to come in and change the face of your defense. But on the road to Ames that Friday night, we had to pull over in the middle of Missouri because Caleb Spencer flipped to Miami. Right. So yeah.
0: is that the beginning, or is it just kind of yeah? A one-off, is that right?
2: a one off, or is that a trend of two or three other guys to go? That that's what this season's going to be judged or, on.
1: Is he a guy that's leaving because he knows there's a five star coming in?
2: Yeah. Well, and, well however that plays out, that's all you're looking toward. Welcome to Texas A&M for this year. Yep. The, this is what it is to be a Texas A&M fan. Just look forward. <laughs> At least the recruiting's good. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That, you know, that, that, right. That's all you can hang. That's the only banner you can hang this year is the great recruiting cycle. Everybody. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not. What's nec- more likely? What's more likely? Not necessarily permanent, just for this year. Yeah. 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 Eight
1: and five. Uh, eight, um, Eight and four at this point, or five and seven.
2: I think now, at, at West <laughs>
1: Virginia, at Texas Tech, with Oklahoma State in between.
2: I think that West Virginia stinks, and if Spencer Sanders isn't going to play, then you don't well, that's have to, two wins. You don't even have to play good football to get to seven. So I, I think that's that, hard, but that's two two, That's, that's more likely than town.
1: they're going to run the football.
2: That's more likely than going 0 and 3, I think. And Texas Tech had a hurt quarterback. Again, TCU keeps
0: hurting. TCU's people. the quarterback killers. <laughs> um, I don't know. that. That's hard. I, yeah. I, it's hard to imagine them winning all three, but they easily could. I don't know. I guess. It does feel what impossible. West Virginia beat imagine this Baylor team <laughs> in down.
1: Right. Exactly. 43 points.
0: Two of those mm-hmm. games are on the road. Bedlam here. Home crowd clearly means nothing. There was a time where OU was. Close and unbeatable at home in my youth. And they've now lost (laughs) at home twice this year. Bob Sturcks
1: won 10 10 Big 12 titles and lost nine home games. Yeah, Brent
0: Venables has already, he's got an offer in the first column after this year and two home losses. That's not, you got to win at home. Got to win at home. It's way too hard to win on the road. James Franklin at Penn State has built an entire, his entire life is owed to the ability to win at home. His road record stinks, but nobody really. You don't notice it because they win at home all the time. You gotta win at home. This is twice now that they've lost games at home that were there for the taking. And uh, this crowd today was flat-ish. It got loud at times. It was whatever. It, it felt like a couple of unranked teams playing. Um, I don't know. Uh, we're you know we did this after the Texas game. I guess it feels fitting to do it again since it's the next loss. Where you guys at with the Preventables? Is I mean, are you how concerned are you as far as like? Maybe this isn't gonna work. He's got the number six ranked recruiting class in the country right I'm now. I'm sure every OU fans asking themselves that right now, whether they want to admit it to themselves or not, they're wondering is Man. he the
1: right coach? I don't know, but he's recruiting his butt off right now.
0: Yeah. Now here's the deal: how many
1: of those recruits are going to be here and are going to sign in December and February for a team that goes six and six? You know, is he going to be able to recruit and still keep those guys after a very mediocre season? That's the big question.
2: Yeah, I mean, we made. I at least I don't know about you guys. I made a ton of jokes as we're reading through the postgame quotes again about, well, the team didn't quit. Um, that is something to be said, though, that the team still yeah. came out and played. Yeah. It's not it's not like after, um, you know, the gut punch of Texas, they, they've totally cratered, stuff like that. This was just – Baylor made more plays than Oklahoma today. It wasn't a, oh, my Baylor god just better. Oklahoma yeah. folded up, quit, stuff like that. So I think that that's good news for – the leadership style and all that stuff at Brent venables he clearly doesn't have the players ain't it this year if he can keep the class together then i think everyone's more than willing to give him another two years at least because you got to develop those guys we've seen how slow bringing on the freshman was this year i i would welcome seeing different guys playing especially along the the front seven i would not bet on suddenly say everyone that's in the class right now signs boom I would not bet on P.J. Adivore and LeBlanc and those guys being thrown into the fire, game five by Texas, playing a ton, a ton of snaps because of how slow these yeah. freshmen have been brought along.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. And uh, I, I, I mean, I, I do think also that Brent needs more time. Um, I think it is, you know, but it's fair to also be concerned and that this year has been poor. Um, so we'll see what happens next I'll year. I'll borrow
1: from Brent when you say his – Fair question at this point of the season. Is he the right guy for the job? I'll borrow from Brent. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. What I will say is that the the benefit of the doubt is is gone. I mean, yeah, he, he's going to uh, have to prove it.
1: Mm, he gets a lot of benefit of the doubt after what like the I mean, way Lincoln left and the people he took with him and the recruiting class was gutted and all that stuff.
0: But I guess that I, I guess what I mean is you know next year it needs to be noticeably better. Like it. it, it they, next year they need to be competing for the Big Twelve. They need to be in the Big Twelve race. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be the first week of November and they're out. Like you're on the Texas plan. Yeah, you're on you the
2: need. Texas plan. Yeah, go out there. Uh, won't have the non-conference game against Georgia to get your big moral victory, even if you lose it in the in the non-con. So all you need is to be unbeaten in the non-con, um, up and down season the Big Twelve. But Texas went out there and beat K State. They now have two Big Twelve losses, or they're right in the thick of being the number two team in Arlington. Right. Yeah. Um, you need to be on the Texas plan, frankly. And Steve Sarkeesian, before the stop at Texas, is a career bad head coach. He's able to get that thing turned around and going. That's a bad head coach. So let's see Brett Venables get that thing turned around and going. Because the talent on the field, I know it's not what fits Brett Venables' system, all that stuff. It's not 5-4 and four bad.
0: Yeah. And let's, I mean, let's address the elephant in the room, too. Lincoln riley has got USC on their way to 8-1. Um, that's tough. Uh, that's a tough... Whether, you know, OU's not, Joe C., Brent. Unless Cal never, comes back.
2: Unless Cal comes back. Yeah, just, unless yeah. Cal comes back.
0: They would never, never, obviously, ever admit it. But, you know, they're peeking over. What's USC doing? And Lincoln's got that thing going. They're in the top ten. They're a playoff contender. You know, that that makes it worse. <laughs> that makes what's happening here worse. It just does. Uh, it just does. That's just the reality would, of it.
1: I would offer this to Brent Venables, who I'm sure watches the the podcast. Oh, I'm Religiously, certain. right? <laughs>
0: He's probably, yeah, he tunes, that's a Sunday morning. I,
1: I tend to overanalyze things too much. And so the, when after the, the red-white game, Brent took 48 minutes to come into the interview room, what was he doing for those 48 minutes? He was talking to his team. He was talking to some recruits too, there's no doubt. When he took 45 minutes after the first game and 45 minutes after the second game and almost an hour after the Nebraska game, more than an hour. After the yeah, Nebraska game.
0: Texas game was the longest one.
1: Texas was the longest, but that was the loss, 49-0. nothing. is he doing? He's talking to the team. He's got the team around him, and he's giving them a talk. Here's my advice. These are 20-year-old kids. These are 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kids. They tune you out. They don't listen to everything you say. You can be the most impassioned speaker of all time. Nobody talks to these guys for 45 minutes. Dabo them. Relatively certain doesn't sit there and harp on him for 45 minutes, win or lose. Uh, Nick Saban, Lincoln Riley came in 10 minutes after the game, 10-minute cooling-off period. He would said his piece. He got in there, got out, and time to go back to work. 45 minutes to an hour today was, like you said, 30, 35 minutes. I think the message is being lost on some of these guys, and that's just – I'm only talking about post-game press conferences. Okay, I'm not talking about every day in practice –
0: Every long, day in meetings. How long do we wait after practice Every, to wrap up? We so are we always
1: continue. waiting yeah. a long time after practice. He comes in late for the press conferences. And, and again, don't get the idea of sitting here complaining about him being late. I don't. I, don't, I got plenty of things to do. I, get, I'm, I don't care. What I'm talking about is what is he doing with the players. And I think at some point throughout the week they're tuning him out, the message that he has, and it's a good message. I get fired up. I told you guys after the red-white game I'm ready to run through a wall for the guy right now, and I don't even play for him. I just think at some point it's overkill. It becomes too much, and it becomes the players are tuning him out. The message that he has, which is, again, a good message, I think it's being lost on young
2: ears. Uncommon effort. I said
1: I wasn't going to say that, but then I said it anyway.
2: (laughs) Uncommon effort going into the post-game talks. Maybe just have some common effort. Just do what everybody else does. Uh,
0: Yeah. I mean, we're 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 trying to figure it out because uh, I think we all think Brent Venables is a really good football coach, and we listen to him talk in post game, and we think like, man, you, it's obvious why guys would want to play for this guy. I mean, that, that's but then you know the product on Saturday he's the man, this year, and he's
1: a great guy, and everybody he's, likes
0: he's him. great, yeah, everybody. And um, so we're trying to figure out what what the problem is. I think fans are trying to figure that out too. Like, what's what's missing? What's what's not? But if I, you're talking about, if you're saying right?
1: the same thing for eleven months. And you're doing it in 60-minute snippets. It's probably falling on deaf ears.
2: Look, here's what it boils down to. People in college football outside of Clemson, South Carolina, do not like Dabo Sweeney. (laughs) If Dabo Sweeney did not win, people in Clemson, South Carolina would be like, shut up. Brent Venables is doing the Dabo Light thing at the podium, and you're getting Dabo Light on the field right now in year one. And it's just year one, and that doesn't mean it's the death nail. But right now... Don't need the Dabo light if you're not going to win games. People don't have time for
0: that. Should I do the? Should I, should I get the Royce Young? Do you guys see the Royce Young? Uh, pointing out, and we brought it up before. The first year, here it is. The first year records, right, for all these coaches. Saban seven and six, Alabama. Kirby Smart eight and five at Georgia. Dabo seven and four at Clemson. Heupel seven and six last year at Tennessee. Bob Soup seven five at OU. Mm-hmm. That is reality. That's a good point. That's five pretty different situations for all those guys. They all didn't come right in and and dominate right away. Yeah, Um, We got a little spoiled on the – or maybe irrational expectations off what Lincoln did in his first year where they should have probably won the national title that year if he didn't botch the Rose Bowl. Um, That was – he deserves more credit for that, for for doing that in the first year, Uh, especially with how he barely had that much even coordinator experience. He was a young guy. Yeah. but, yeah, he needs more time. I think we all agree on that. But, again, at the same time, don't, disappointing season. I heard somebody
1: say today, hey, we, we weren't complaining about Stoops for going 7-5. Guys, that was three straight losing seasons. 20, five 2014, years, the sky was falling. Five years in a row, in from 94 to 99, five years in a row, they didn't have a winning record. So, no, 7-5 and five was, a, was a breath of fresh air when Bob Stoops came here in 1999. That's not comparable.
2: Uh, Of that list you mentioned, the one that I think is the most similar situation to Brent Venables is Kirby Smart, because if you take came from Bama, if you take the Riley roster after the transfers, that's I haven't looked at this, but that's probably similar to where Rick had Georgia, just because um, not devoid of talent at Georgia, but it wasn't elite elite talent, and you see what Kirby's done now, right? So again, like I think we've tried to say multiple times. This isn't the death knell on Brent Venables, the head coach, but for this year, failure for, yeah. for Oklahoma standards.
0: It is. It is. And, uh, yeah, we all think that Brent Venables – right, we all still think it's probably going to end up working. But, uh, I mean, this year, how could it not? Make you kind of question if, it, if it's going to or not. But uh, three weeks left for Oklahoma. Um, that whole m- maybe chaos will happen. Chaos is kind of happening that they needed. It's kind of happening, <laughs> but they lost again, so it doesn't matter. Yep. Um, and we'll see. This was a really, uh, this was another good step toward the guaranteed rate bowl. <laughs> so I think that probably six and six is what needs to happen to get them there. And what, December 27th. Uh, December 27th, Christmas in Arizona. Mm. Um, Phoenix, baby. Phoenix. A uh, little bit of that hot sun life. Maybe uh, where we're headed. Then you got to win one more game. they got to win one more game. <laughs> they got to win one more game, though. <laughs> We're not um,
1: making any bowl plans
0: just yet. Bedlam,
2: no. Bedlam's on the Ocho. You heard it here first. Yeah,
0: <laughs> boy. Football was bad in Oklahoma today. Oklahoma <laughs> State, also bad. Um, Bedlam Bedlam's going to be sad right now. Bedlam is sad football. Uh, It'll be
1: fine. It'll be a fun game.
0: West Virginia next uh, in Morgantown next weekend. I'll be hanging back for that one, but they these guys will be up there um, in country roads. Take me home. Um, early thoughts? Mm-mm. Too early. <laughs> Good early. I don't know. think?
2: Here's my thought: early flight Sunday, so I'm <laughs> a, I'm already needed to bank sleep now.
0: Yep. 11 a.m. in Morgantown next week. We'll see what Brent Venables and all the squad has to say. Allsooners.com, the place for all the coverage from this ball game. Sleep on it. Let it wash over you. Hit it Sunday. Check out all the game stories, reaction from Brent Venables, Levy, Roof, players, not Dylan Gabriel though, and game highlights, game stories. All of that stuff there for you in allsooners.com. Thank you so much for listening, watching, all that good stuff. We'll be back uh, with the Wednesday show, previewing the West Virginia game, getting ready for the Sooners and the Mountaineers, the third to last game of the regular season, flying through. Already three-quarters of the way now. it's uh, It's been a, a very weird and challenging season, but here we are. Time
1: flies when you never sleep.
0: On the home stretch now, <laughs> three, three weeks to go. So thank you guys so much for listening, watching.
1: I'm just glad we got through without me laughing anymore.
0: The first like five minutes was just wiped out on that. But it's all right. Eating the, he went back to his disease sandwich. Um, thank you so much for listening, watching. Again, back Wednesday, wrapping up the press conferences and getting ready for the West Virginia game next Saturday in Morgantown. You can catch that one on iTunes, Spotify, Google, iHeart. Wherever you get your podcast, if you have an amazon enabled device, you say, Alexa, play the All Sooners podcast. You can also post on our website, allsooners.com. Click on the playlist on your phone, your tablet, or your computer, and watch all the shows on whose YouTube page, John Hoover Media. That's it. We'll see you back on Wednesday from our respective homes, for Ryan Chapman and John Hoover, if Ryan makes it there, disease. I'm Josh Calloway. We'll catch you guys next time. Good job. <laughs>